I'm Sam Kelly, and this is Threads of Commonality, where we lift the veil on the world issues that unite us like a thread weaving us together, keeping the conversations going that are vital to the health of our planet, animals, and our collective well-being. Meet everyday people making a difference in their communities. Learn about what unites us and discover ways to change the world. Together, we are powerful. Real conversations with real people. All right, this is Sam Kelly, and today's guest on Threads of Commonality is Michelle Granberg. Michelle is a personal coach focusing on mindset, lifestyle, and healing, and she also leads workshops and events. Her background and training is in psychology. Her website is michellegranberg.com, and I will have that in the show notes, so it'll be easy for everybody to find. We're here today to discuss a vegan lifestyle. And especially during this time of Veganuary, Veganuary, where there's a lot of people due to New Year's resolutions and new information, people are trying out this uh, lifestyle of being vegan starting in the month of January. Obviously, the goal is for that to continue indefinitely, but sometimes we need a little nudge, right? And um, New Year's resolutions can help us with that. And this is a good time for it. So welcome, Michelle. I'm glad you're here. Hey, Sam. Thanks for having me on your show. Happy to be here. Yes. And so you and I got connected through a vegan group on social media, and you found out that I do this podcast, and I found out that you help people become vegan, and here we are. So I'm excited to talk to you. I'm excited for everyone to learn more about what you do, and I, I think this is a great connection for people to find out more about what it means to be vegan and all the awesome stuff that comes with that, and you can be someone that can help them with that. Yeah, absolutely. It speaks exactly to my mission and my passion and my intention in this world currently is to bring more vegans into the world because of all the wonderful reasons. Um, And I want to especially spotlight the animals, bring the animals front and center, because that's our why. That's why we want to be vegan. So, you know, I'm a vegan, as you are. I'm also an animal rights activist. I'm also a mentor with the animal uh, activism mentorship. And I'm also a go vegan coach, right? So I'm, I'm wanting to help and support because I get it. I get it. I was not vegan. I was not born vegan. I went vegan as you did. There was that moment, that turning point. And I didn't necessarily have the support or any resources at that time. So I want to be that bridge for people to make it easier, to make it doable, because it's really not hard, but it does take some effort. Okay. So let's back up. Um, what would, what was it that made you go vegan? Let's start there because a lot of people have their moment where they, they make this change where they try it. What was yours? Yeah, for me, it wasn't like one moment. It was definitely everything in my life. I say built to that moment where I finally took the action as a new year's Eve. I actually did a new year's thing for myself five years ago. I did it. New Year's Eve came the next morning, I went vegan and never looked back. But if I look back at my childhood and and my teenage years and my early adulthood, in fact, my whole life, and I was mostly vegetarian for my adult life, I, I see the threads, like the common threads in my life. I was always talking about it, how 
it wasn't good and it wasn't cool and it was wrong what we do to animals and that I want to help them and I want to save them and that I love animals and I wish that my father wouldn't kill the ants that were in the house and and every Thanksgiving I felt awful about this poor bird on the table but I did nothing about it because it didn't even occur to me like it doesn't really occur to anybody else so many people rather that if there is any choice or any other option that's how ingrained it is and conditioned it is in us from day one like literally from the time our parents feed us chicken pureed baby food it starts mm -hmm. and so that is so strongly embedded in us that we don't question it and finally for a lot of a lot of vegans a lot of people go vegan because they see the footage and that's a big thing and we maybe we could talk about that how how crucial that is and how eye-opening the footage is, as horrible as it is. But for, a, for me, it was just, it felt right. And I finally aligned my actions with my morals. And that's the key to not, not turning back. If your why is really strong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm sorry. I'm really trying not to interrupt you. This is this no, is I can one of say my favorite. So <laughs> this is one of my favorite conversations because to me, being vegan ties every single thing together. It's um, the intersectionality of everything we're doing because it involves compassion and it involves a global awareness. It's something that helps your body, your mind, your spirit, each other, the animals. I mean, it is. It's all encompassing and. Um, uh, yeah, it's, but at the same time, like you're saying, it's, it's not fully accepted in society yet. Every year it's growing and growing and growing. And uh, there's more and more people. I mean, even if I go to Taco Bell when I'm desperate <laughs> and I go to Taco Bell and there's some high school kid on the intercom or on, at the window and I ask, you know, what can I get that's vegan? he knows. And, it, you know, 10 years ago, they would have looked at me like I was nuts, but now it's just, everyone knows what it means. And I think that's a positive thing. So yeah. let me kind of back up just a second. As far as people that could be listening, there's going to be people that are animal rights activists because they, they're, they listen to my podcast. Um, but there's also going to be people that aren't even vegetarian yet, which I, I don't mean to say it like that. I feel like that kind of came out negative, but you know, to your point, we all ate animals. I mean, most of us grew up eating animals and, and I say eating animals specifically because I used to say eating meat. And then I started to learn that, you know, th those are euphemisms that allow us to kind of feel okay about what we're doing. So I made it a point as an adult to say eating animals, because that's more truthful to what it is we're actually doing. But as far as animal rights activists trying to find the best path, you talked about footage. What do you think is the best way to help people become aware of being vegan and, and maybe consider it? What, what do you think is, is the best approach? I, I think one of the best approaches is through relationships. That's what I see. If, if, if you, the people, everybody you have a relationship with in your life, if you form a rapport and a relationship with people first, or if you have an existing relationship, that tends to be <clears throat> the launching pad. People already trust you and, and, and you seem to know what you're talking about and you seem to, it seems to be working for you. That makes it much more likely. So that works for some people. But the footage, the footage is what we hear more often is the thing that that put it right in front of people's eyes and it was just undeniable it's almost like you know people say don't confuse me with the facts well here are the facts here's what is actually happening if we don't sugarcoat it and use um euphemisms mm -hmm. 
you know, that's really, really important is putting the animals, you know, really front and center. And, you know, the footage, nobody wants to watch it. Of course, who wants to watch it? You know, it is disturbing and it is dark and it, it is really the, the underbelly of humanity. You know, it, it is it is this we're blind to these hidden horrors. If anybody's even seen just two minutes of this type of footage in slaughterhouses and in, in factory farming. you know. And it's not like it's the exception. I mean, what you're talking no. about, the footage is is not like some people brush it off and say, well, that's not what's happening where my meat comes from and so on. No, that is in general. And it's just like, even if you wanted to take what whatever you think is, and I'm using air quotes here for people that are listening, if you want to take the most humane method, uh, the animals are still slaughtered. Okay, let's say you want to use the most humane method, you still would not show that video to a child. So we oh, have to God. ask ourselves, even if that is the most humane method, why wouldn't we show that to anyone? You know, why would we be uncomfortable looking at that? Why wouldn't we want to show that to children? Why wouldn't we want to show that even to our, our family members? Because it, it it's the truth and it's really hard to watch even in the most quote humane methods. Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. It's, it's truly um, a betrayal of these animals that only want mercy and are innocent and can't fight back. <clears throat> and what we're doing when we refuse to watch the footage because it makes us uncomfortable is that we're turning away. We're turning away from those in need. And we as good people, as decent moral people, I know that we are in our hearts, every single one of us. We say we want to turn toward those in need. We want to turn toward and help. Right. Not turn away. And so this is really, you know, a part of it. If we want to see this end um, in our lifetime, the first thing is to be honest with ourselves about it. And for the majority of people, this topic itself, people are busy and there's a whole hell of a lot of things that are crowding up our psyche these days <clears throat> in terms of even being human. But. The majority of people, this is not even on their radar screen. And so if we can bring the animals front and center and even focus on them, even though it makes us feel uncomfortable, because my God, if we're uncomfortable, think about the animals. They're the victims. If we think it's hard for us to watch it. How about switching places with them as the victims? People are really good at talking about peace on earth and nonviolence and compassion and empathy but are they just words? That would be my question. In a loving way, I would say, are, are these just words or do we mean it? So I guess what you're hinting at is empathy. What role does empathy play in this, do you think? <clears throat> I think we're in a crisis of empathy right now. I think we're in a, a, an epidemic of lack of empathy. And that is almost the roots of, or the underlying cause of so many things. Because if we don't have empathy, it means we don't connect with others. We don't walk in other shoes. We see that we are we and they are them. Us and the other. It's this othering of not only animals, but other people as well. And other groups of people and other countries. These artificial, arbitrary boundaries and lines between species, which is speciesism, which we could talk more about. It is that we are two. We are separate, which which em emboldens us to say that they are not okay or <clears throat> helps us justify treating them cruelly or as if they are less than.
You gave me your story there in the beginning of what made you vegan. I, I want to just let you know kind of quickly what, what my journey was. So in, in high school, I started checking my great aunt's uh, PETA magazines and uh-huh. uh, learned about uh, animal testing, which, you know, in my high school mind, I had no idea. This is pre-internet. You know, I had no idea anything like that was happening. My world was shaken. Um, and, and then I, that really opened my eyes to this idea that we're using animals for our own gain, you know, that there's some commodity that we can do what we want with. And I wasn't comfortable with that, but I was still eating them. I was still eating animals, even though I was rescuing dogs and cats and, and wildlife, I was still eating animals because I hadn't yet made the connection. And then I got to a point where before I ate, I was thanking the animals for, you know, their sacrifice for feeding me, which is, I'm so embarrassed to admit that now, but I, I, it's a journey. So at least then I was starting to make the connection that this is an animal that I'm eating. And then I was traveling and I saw a chicken truck and I was on I-70 in Illinois and I'll never forget it. That was, you know, almost 15 years ago. And I will never, ever forget what that looked like. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to take up time now to share the story, but it was, it was disturbing. Um, and then I said, okay, I'm not going to eat chicken anymore. And it was a process. And then I, I was vegetarian for a few years. And then I went to a conference in Washington, DC, and it was a man, John Camp, who uh, he's an animal rights activist. And, and he is the one that pointed out to me that cows give birth in order to lactate. And I cannot believe as a woman in my thirties that I didn't put two and two together and figure that out. And, and he told me that, and he pointed out, you know, that the, what happens to the male calves on a dairy farm and so on. And at that point I, I swore to become vegan and that was July, 2008. So it was definitely a journey of a few years. Um, but that's, that's my story and how I ended up where I am. And, and to your point that we started talking about in the first segment, we're not born, like we all grew up eating animals. Most of us, like 99% of us did. And so when people say, well, you know, you used to eat animals. Well, I did. And I don't anymore. And, and that's a conscious decision I made in my life. And the benefits are so crazy good. I mean, it's such a wonderful way to live. And um, so let's talk now about um, people that aren't vegan, aren't vegetarian. What, what can they do? I mean, what, what are some strategies you have to help them consider making that choice, even if it was just for 30 days? You know, what what would you suggest? Educate yourself. Educate yourself. Watch some documentaries and just become part of the vegan community. There's a strong online community as well as an in-person community. And it tends to be a non-judgmental community of people. It, it, it tends to be, of course, there's lots of exceptions because, you know, vegans are still um, human beings, mm-hmm. but, but really, you know, lean into and feel into what feels best and what feels right to you. You know, if people aren't necessarily familiar with what veganism is, it tends to be thought of as a diet and it's not. So what diet. is it? Tell us what, it, what it means to be vegan. 
a lot of people, I might say it's a moral imperative. It's a lifestyle. It's a way of being in the world that is about making choices that are 100% in alignment with cruelty-free actions towards animals. And that includes not eating them, not wearing them, or purchasing any products that contain animal byproducts or that were tested on animals. And so we have no, you have very little idea when you're not a vegan how far reaching and subtle it is how much we use, abuse, and exploit. They are the, large, the, they are the population that is the most oppressed and exploited in the world, mm-hmm. even more so than humans, even though there are many populations that are absolutely oppressed and exploited. And, it is, and, it is ma- and it's being masqueraded as normal. They're not even thought of as victims. So one of yeah, the first- how many animals are, are raised and slaughtered each year? I think that number is something that just is shocking in itself. It's a shocking number. It's billions of land animals mm-hmm. a year. And I think it's in the trillions for sea, sea life, sea animals. Yeah. So it's, it's a little overwhelming to think of the, the sheer numbers. And so that can cause people to say, okay, that's too much. I can't even listen. Right. Cause it's human nature. It's overwhelming. I'm not even going to listen, but, but then when you actually go and spend time with a cow or, you know, go, we have sanctuaries here locally and just to go be in the presence of a rescued pig and it's just amazing because they're just like the dogs and cats that are sitting in my house right now they each have their own little personalities and their friendships and their little idiosyncrasies that you know you and I have it's there's that personal side to it that um, I think people need to see because we're just so far removed from our our food source and um that, that can be dangerous. Anyway, so people, you said people need to educate themselves, but what, what would motivate someone just to even make this choice, to even start down this road? Do, do people have to be animal lovers to do this? What if somebody's not an animal lover? If they're not, if they're not an animal lover, then, you know, we want, we invite people to ask themselves, you know, what do they stand for in general in life? Are they wanting to, it's kind of like there's no middle ground when it comes to animals and what we're doing to them. You either are contributing to it or you're not contributing to it. Because even if you're contributing a little bit, you're contributing, Mm -hmm. you know. So we invite people to really kind of take a look at themselves in terms of the broader um, path that they're on, perhaps. And, and maybe some we, this might lean a little bit into spirituality and that type of thing, but it doesn't even necessarily have to go into that. It's just more about um, being humane, us being humane, and what does that mean to us? Mm-hmm. And I and I and I would say that you know, again, as we sort of lean into that, I mean, everybody has to answer that for themselves, and there's no judgment, perhaps, in any of that, but. We really are treating animals as commodities and property and a great, and it's great to, to look at how much we are pet lovers. We're companion animal lovers so much. So, and, and, and making that comparison as well, why do we draw that arbitrary line where we will kill and eat one and we sleep with another and we Mm -hmm. feed and we would do, we would lay our lives down on the line for our companion animals. Yeah. And I think there's, um, so, so for people that don't necessarily love animals, which is mind blowing to me because, you know, our house was full of animals growing up, but I get it. I'm friends with people who don't like animals or they're just, they don't have animals, but, um, 
So even if people aren't into animals, there's other factors, right? I mean, there's the human factor, there's the slaughterhouse workers, there's the people on the production line there. And, and, and when you dig into this and you start seeing the, what's happening, and, and most of them are immigrants that this is happening to, and they, they feel totally powerless. These are jobs that nobody wants. They don't pay well. They're, they're completely taken advantage of, especially during COVID. I mean, looking at these meatpacking facilities and these production facilities, COVID is running rampant. And now you have people that don't have any health care. The, the assembly line, I, I think they just voted to remove the restrictions on speed. So I, I can't even imagine it's something like 600 pigs an hour that's allowed to go through a, a slaughterhouse. And that is insane. There's, there's slaughterhouse workers wearing diapers uh, so that they don't have to leave and use the restroom. They're missing limbs from the speed of these lines. Uh, alcoholism. I, I don't want to steal your thunder. Add no, no, that. no. It's, I, I it's just, crazy. There's, I, I, there are people that I am connected with that are very passionate about human rights and rightfully so. That's, yes. that's wonderful. But I, I yes. can you make the connection between what people are putting on their plates and the human rights issue? Yeah, absolutely. Because a lot of people, you know, feel that it's either humans we care about or animals. And, and in fact, we're all sharing the planet and we really are all one and, and humans are also suffering in so many ways. And you're right with, with the slaughterhouse workers and what they have to do and the way they have to desensitize themselves and completely detach and dissociate in order to be able to, to literally with their own hands kill or it, that way. And they have the highest incidence of PTSD and depression and suicide um, in that in that way. And so we're killing the human spirit. And, and again, we're just completely de dehumanizing our, ourselves as well as the animals. And, and then in terms of the planet, if you care about the planet, there are, they're not separate issues. The, the planet, the, the, the global crisis, the, the um, climate crisis and animal liberation, they are really, again, one and the same issue. Livestock systems cover 45% of land on earth. So all of that land is destroyed in order to, to, to grow crops, to feed the animals, and the amount of space required to build the slaughterhouses, to house the animals, to then kill them and start all over again, could be, could be used to feed us plants. Well, what I have found, so I'm very involved in environmental issues, especially being here in Southwest Florida. We've got a lot of problems with, with algae and uh, water pollution and we're being affected by climate change and so on. And uh, so in the environmental community, there are a lot of people that, that still eat animals and um, they do it in, in what they consider a better way in their mind. And that is to buy, you know, locally raised animals and locally processed animals. But um, what, what I have a hard time getting across and, and communicating is that even if, if, you know, there's almost 8 billion people on the planet now, right? And so if the demand for animal products stays the same with that population, but everybody starts to choose these locally raised, humanely raised, pasture raised animals, well, yes, would these animals get out of the confined systems? They would but we would lose every square inch of land mass on earth so that these animals could, could have room to spread out. Um, just because, you know, there's 60 billion animals 
processed each year for humans to eat. And right now they're in confined systems, which don't take up a ton of space. But when, if you want to choose, you know, what they consider humanely raised, now you've got all these animals in pastures. And I guess my point is, you can't have your cake and eat it too. There's consequences. And with our, with our population and the fact that our demand is for meat three times a day, uh, it's just not sustainable, whatever way you look at it. So people have to reduce their, their consumption of animals. I agree. I agree. It's unsustainable. And, 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 and there's, there's that part of it as well. So we were, we talked about the animal issue, the human rights issue. We touched on some of the environmental issues and, and the benefits of being vegan. Um, but we didn't even talk about the health benefits. And I know myself personally, I have experienced all kinds of crazy, awesome health benefits from being vegan. Uh, I feel better. I'm 44 and I feel better than I ever have in my life, even in my twenties. So that's uh, a definitely a benefit, but I know the science is there, the medical studies to show, you know, how a whole foods plant-based diet helps reduce all kinds of issues from heart disease and strokes to diabetes, to uh, high blood pressure, and it even reduces your chances of certain cancers. So it's, it's really, there's the health aspect as well. So Michelle, let's say people are ready to go vegan. They say, okay, I'll do it. I love animals or, you know, I love people or I love our earth or I want to feel better. Any one of those reasons, whatever, let's pick one. And now we're ready, right? We, we want to try being vegan. What can they do? What, what's the easiest way to make this change so people aren't overwhelmed? Yeah. So you want to do it in a way, you know, that, that is right for you, of course. And it's great to get some support for that. Um, you could decide that at least one day a week, I would say you can make that your day that you eat completely vegan. You can start that way. Um, That's like a those, meatless Monday, right? Yeah, you could do like a yeah. meatless. I do like a meatless Monday, absolutely. And you said this is veganuary, so mm -hmm. this is a great way to start and and do it for a month. There are lots of free online challenges that you can do, uh, like Challenge Twenty Two, that that will will guide you through that. You know and and again, sort of become part of groups and support systems that will really help that. But I love, you know, in terms of health, more and more doctors are recommending it, not as much as we'd like for them too, but not only does it prevent, it actually reverses things like heart disease and diabetes and, and even some cancers is absolutely what, what they've shown in that it's healthy for pregnant women, it's healthy for older adults, and all of that, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics has research to back that up. You have some go-tos, like, let's say I want to do this, okay, and I'm agreed. Okay, I'll try this. Michelle, I'll try this on Mondays. I agree. Every Monday I'll go, I'll, I'll be vegan the whole day. I'll be vegan on Mondays. What in the world do I buy at the store? What do I cook? You know, what, where do I, how do I do this? I mean, th they could call you, right? You can coach them through that. <laughs> can, can you give any basic steps right now, like, Here's three things you can do to make this easy for yourself. I think, the, you know, certainly I, I, that's what I'm here for, to, to support people. But the first thing I might do with someone is to have them look at their current way of eating and their current choices and their favorite things that they eat. And we will actually point out that many of the things people are already eating are vegan. So they don't have to really, there's no sacrifice. They don't have to give that up. Now we just need to add to that. 
but people might already love pasta or already love potatoes or already love fruits and vegetables. And so we want to we want to crowd their plate, crowd out the meat and the dairy and, and fill your plate with those whole food plant based foods right there. And and it's a great way to be to be creative. And, and I didn't cook at all. I swear I just didn't even do much in the kitchen before I went vegan. This has been the thing that has lit me up in terms of spark me to learn to cook. And it's still simple and it's easy. And there's a million recipes that you can that you can find. So there's no real lack of that. It's just it seems like a big mystery. I know for people and it's very mystical and mysterious when you don't understand it yet. So it's, it's again, it's another great, wonderful learning curve, but it's so worth it because the whole time you feel incredible because you know that, again, you're lining up your morals and your ethics and your and your your natural compassion for animal and people and the planet. You're lining up with your actions. You're completely congruent and coherent in that way. Let's switch gears a little bit, Michelle, if you don't mind. And, and let's talk to the activists, the people that have been vegan, that are animal rights activists, or, or maybe even they're vegan, but they want to become more active and and standing up for animals and more engaged. Cause it's, it's one thing to change your lifestyle. And then it's, it's a next, I, to me, a natural step to want to not just change what you're personally doing, but maybe go out and start influencing others, right? To, to speak up for animals or to help promote change. So can you speak to activists now and, and maybe give them some suggestions on good strategies, groups to be involved with? And what, what do you think? Like what would inspire people to keep going? So only about 3% of the worldwide population is vegan right now. It's a very small percentage. And, you know, most, if not all animal activists are vegans, but not all vegans clearly are activists. So as we said, billions of land animals are killed every year, as well as trillions of sentient aquatic beings. Um, Imagine if every vegan at the very least advocated for animals and got active and got involved in, t- in terms of getting out there and doing whatever they could to actually make the changes and influence others. That's the only way that we're going to achieve animal liberation is by cultivating more activists. And so, you know, activism, I don't know if that sounds overwhelming for people or, or if that's another area where they're not sure whether it is for them or they feel like I'm shy or I'm introverted. There are so many ways to be an activist. There's, there's no right or wrong way and there's ways for everyone. And activism generally is something very deliberate and intentful. It's a way of um, either as an individual or a group engaging in and intervening in social and political reform. And the, the aim of activism is to affect small and large scale desired change in society. And the typical image of an activist is someone holding a protest sign. And that is probably the most common form of activism, but it's only one form of activism. We also do disruptions and bearing witness and holding vigils and marches and tabling and leafletting and stickering. We use social media campaigns and video, but even just doing something like wearing a t-shirt that says, I'm vegan, I love being a vegan, or a hat that says, you know, go vegan. These are also forms of activism that really anybody can do because it may spark conversation and get people to stop and pay attention. 
Yeah, I love that. There, there's something for everybody. Uh, there's even letter writing. You know, there's letter writing. There's uh, calling political officials for changes to the laws. Uh, you know, because the change is really going to happen from uh, the general public, from our our decisions. You know, as consumers. But there's also the other end of the spectrum where there are regulations and laws, and and maybe we can meet in the middle. We we start change at one end and the other, and it keeps moving until we meet in the middle and. And everything is better, but yeah, we uh, we we have motorcycles. I just recently got into riding a motorcycle. I've always wanted to. I finally got my license, and so I ride around town with a vegan sticker on this big old motorcycle that I have. And a, I'm a woman on a on a big bike, but then they see the vegan sticker, and I'm like, yeah, that's right, vegan on a motorcycle. And we joke about how we want to uh, have a, a vegan motorcycle group here in Southwest Florida, but people do a double take because it's you know those two things typically stereotypically don't go together, and so that's my little my little daily activism on my bike. But yeah, there's people can really do anything what what they're comfortable with, and. Um, what, what do you think is, you, you said earlier, the video footage is what you think is, is changing the most hearts and minds when it comes to, to animals, right? Um, yes. Do you think that's what people should, if, if people are activists, should they continue with that, continue sharing the footage and, and uh, the, the, the facts and the signs or? I mean, sure, yeah. You know, I, I would do I would do that. Maybe maybe a combination. That's often considered sort of the negative form of of, of activism, and and but at the same time, it's the truth. And then there's also the more like positive activism, which is is just showing how delicious vegan food is, and and the sanctuaries, at promoting the sanctuaries that are there's more and more sanctuaries and micro sanctuaries every single day. Going to one, inviting people, sharing that footage as well, so they're seeing that animals are being saved and, and that this has actually happened, but they're being saved from slaughter. And so it's also important to sort of, you know, see that side of it. So there are documentaries and right now there's, there's a challenge um, that's that by the save movement, which is a national um, organization, grassroots organization called the save movement. It's called Dominion. The Dominion is a, I'm sorry, Dominion is a documentary and it's the don't look away. From, from this documentary challenge. So people are watching it and attempting not to look away and recording themselves not looking away, looking at the footage. Mm -hmm. And it's extremely powerful just watching people's responses, even if you don't see the footage. So watching a documentary like Dominion or Earthlings or Cowspiracy are really good places to start. If you wanna know more about the health aspects um, as well, you can watch, you know, um, what the, what the health or uh, forks over knives, something like that. Or game changers. I've watched that recently. That's the other one. Yeah. So I'll put all of these in the notes for the show so people can, I'll make them hyperlinks so people can click on. And so those of you that are listening, just see the notes for the show and every Michelle's website will be in there. And uh, I think we should even include some websites for recipes, you know, for people that can try out. I love choose 
it's one of my go-tos because it's all pictures and it's really easy to follow for people. But um, well, it's, I've really enjoyed speaking to you. I know we talked about uh, a lot of things and we even brought up things that we need to continue speaking about, like, you know, speciesism and uh, us versus them, the they versus all of us being together. There's just so many elements, so many layers to this conversation that we definitely should speak again. But I just want to thank you, Michelle, for your activism and for all that you do. And, and for everyone that's listening, whether you are vegan or not, whether you're an activist or not, or, or whatever is your passion, um, just keep an open mind when it comes to change and, and, and consider you know, what, what we're doing at least three times a day with our food choices. And, and you know, that's one of the easiest ways to make change is what we choose with what we choose to buy and what we choose to eat is, is powerful, right? So, Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you so much, Michelle. I really appreciate you spending your time with me. Any, any last words or any, anything that you haven't said yet that you want to say? <laughs> well, I mean, just to say that I certainly am here to support people and, and give them resources. They can go to my website, which is um, michellegranberg.com, but I'll just echo what you said, which is in terms of we are what we eat and really just stopping and considering what you are, what you are ingesting and, and start because you're right. Kindness starts on our plate. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. That wraps up this episode of Threads of Commonality. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you found some common threads and enjoyed listening. Please remember to click the subscribe button, share, and find us at threadsofcommonality.com. I'm your host, Sam Kelly. Remember to keep the conversations going. <laughs>